the <coughs> theme for the afternoon uh, talk is the construction of an identity. One of the capacities which we share in common as human beings is the capacity to be mindful of what's going on inside of ourselves. We have the capacity to face our existence, to look at it well, clearly and deeply, to apply changes and to really see and notice what is going on with ourselves and uh, with our life. It's vitally important that we express regularly, daily, this uh, ability to be clear about what is going on. If we don't, we pay a price. We lose happiness, we lose peace of mind, clarity, wisdom in relationship to others. So the encouragement to really look at our existence regularly, which means daily, one of the values of it is that our response to a situation can emerge or come from the clarity of the moment. If it doesn't, it will come from the past. It has to. It will come from habit, from conditioning, from the old ways of doing things, the old ways of living. And when we are a slave to uh, the past, we will find out that regularly the past and its habit and condition has no relationship and cannot offer any support to the present. <coughs> and it is a challenge for us to explore life, to recognize and know when the past is helpful, it is useful, it is a support, and to know those periods when it is a big pain in the butt, when the past is just habitual, it's coming out in the way we think about a situation, what we say about ourselves, what we say about others or about life, and to realize we are just being swept along by old voices which we give authority to because we are not exploring something fresh. It isn't an easy one, but frankly, is there an alternative? Are we going to live our life as kind of second-hand creatures 
been swept along by the conditioning of our mind and just hoping and praying that it might have some relevance to life or are we going to really look and face our existence and one of those important areas is roles immensely important identity <coughs> and rather in, in the English words rather interesting uh, from a Freudian standpoint identity starts off with id which Mr. Freud used can't remember what it means but he used it and then there is entity so the self, the I makes an entity of something and invests a lot in it danger is on the way guaranteed so we look at our life and we ask ourselves what are the primary identity or roles which I experience on a regular basis what are the primary ones the I which is making an entity of so for some it may be in the what should we call it the family biological dynamic uh, therefore one is a mother or a father one is a son or a daughter or a brother or a sister or a cousin or whatever in the family dynamic there is the manifestation of a role of an identity father son mother daughter lover and then there are a variety of roles, major ones, outside of that. The work, for many, would be a really important role. The job. The role of the, of the, the student. There is the variety of roles with friends and engagements and much, much more. So, we generate some time. What are the major roles in my life? There. And in that recognition and acknowledgement, it's quite often most suffering, not always, but often most suffering of the human being is around a role or an identity. Most of it. And it, when there is that, the identity, the I, making an entity of, it also can be outside of the roles as, as, as well there. So, to take an example, one of the words which is used actually very, very frequently, actually it's in the last uh, few years, very popular word in these kind of circles, is trauma be a very rare day I don't hear the word trauma being uh, uh, used and the person is a reference point person, he or she may say in the past I have experienced this it was painful it was hurtful it was very very distressing it may be the outcome of one quote-unquote traumatic uh, experience 
and there is the feeling of still working with it or being in recovery from. For another, it may not be one or one or two traumatic experiences, but a quiet, shall we call it, gathering or momentum in which something has been difficult and painful, it has a continuity with it there, and the feeling of the eye feels oppressed by the past. Then comes the identity. So, humanly enough, from the painful experience of the past, the way that it lands itself in the present is to generate an identity. And the common identity with trauma is, I am a victim. It's the self, the I, identifying with unhealth, unhappy and very difficult circumstances, which may not be anything to do with one's own problem. You didn't create it. It happened to you, so to speak, there. But the self comes in, feeling sorry for oneself, sorry that this is that this happened, sorry for the trouble that it's causing right now, and the repetition of feeling sorry for oneself, there is a victim. (coughs) That's the entity. That's the identity. And that idea of the victim uh, there is strong for some men and uh, women, and unfortunately it only takes a small, unsatisfactory incident in the present moment. Uh, Somebody is aggressive, people are, they're negative, they're bullying, they're reactive, and very, very quickly, very, very quickly, that impact from the present moment meets quickly the past, the past of the trauma, the past of the old. The two come together and it reinforces it. It's a very distressing and difficult way to live. And the self, the I, is right in the middle of it. This is happening to me. I am feeling this. This is my uh, experience. And that combination is a collision. And there is a momentum about it. What on earth is going to stop it? this? What is going to break it up? What is going to allow and enable us to be clear about the present, in which there are some very unkind, brutal, negative people in this uh, world? And can we have the capacity to attend to that? And and it is not increasing and reinforcing a view about myself, feeling sorry for oneself and and the victim. Other situations in our relationship of this construction of the self and of the uh, the, uh, identity, it may be necessary, and remember all of this is part of the retreat, to reflect and look at all these things, it may be necessary uh, times for us, this is another common one, I hear it every single day on the retreats and in the... pilgrimages to the coffee shop with my friends and uh, much, much more. Um, And that is, there is a kind of um, 
activity uh, which is going uh, on uh, currently and that activity has in more recent years and the momentum is getting stronger in which there are concerns and growing number of concerns with regard to the future on a larger scale and this is having another impact so there's the accumulation of the past problems, difficulties, unresolved issues that we may have at the moment this talk is all bad news but hang in so there's the accumulation of the past there with all the difficulties there there's the difficulties as well with what may be going on in our life currently there and then to add that's not hard and difficult enough then to add to it there's the climate emergency there are, there are the wars there's the fossil fuel companies the destruction of the rainforest flooding and etc oh my god what am I living in? And all of that generates and reinforces an identity. And the identity which is common this is the identity of helplessness. What can I do? What can we do? So we have it at the personal, family, social level. All the intimacies of that. It's expanding very rapidly to a larger global uh, level and in our poor heart and mind <coughs> it all collides together whoa whoa this is difficult this is difficult but it's the actuality as the Buddha said enough times there is the truth of suffering didn't say it's a view didn't say it's Maya an illusion we didn't make it up. He speaks of it in the strongest possible language, which is satya. Satya. Sounds good. There's the truth of suffering. There's the truth of this. I'm not trying to fudge it and deny it. Uh, there. And that, in some way or other, we, as human beings, have to find ways to address it. And when we can't address it, just to be clear about this, whether it is called the personal example that I gave, whether it's called the global, whether it's called the combination of the two, when we can't handle something, it not only influences and affects our relationship to the present, but it also goes straight to the future. And the future acts like one huge space. We can't cope with it, and therefore the pressure of not being able to handle some situations, then goes into tomorrow, next week, next year, our kids, our grandkids. It just goes in that direction. Because the future is like a huge space and we can put everything into it. And sometimes, with all, all, all of this, one um, needs to take a little... Uh, 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 Care with, uh, care with this when the negative on the human being is having its impact and we're not coping with it very very well we then view the future in negative terms we're fearful we're afraid we're worried how long will this continue for 
Will it ever come to an end? Will I be able to resolve it? So you have the past, you have the dynamics of the present, and the dynamics of the past and the present colliding, touch with each other, will then go to the future. It has to. Despair. Disappointment. Worry. Anxiety. It's a nightmare. And this is what we're attending to. This is what we have to deal with. I didn't make it up. I don't want it to be like that. You don't want it to be like that. But this is what's going on. So we need to be honest and as clear as possible. Sometimes, here's another health warning, sometimes the way that we use to avoid or escape from uh, this, and it won't help you, we go into the positive. Be careful with the positive, it's a nightmare. And we go into the positive, and one of the positive which is used is hope. Oh, it's really been bad in the past. It's awful what's going on in the present, personally, socially, globally. But perhaps, maybe, in the future, we, sh we need hope. And we hope it will get better. Uh, there. How can something get better when the past and the present is not better? How can one make a leap from it's challenging and difficult and then the mind, desperate for a pleasant feeling, desperate for it, brings in the word hope. And that hope is, it ends up, I don't want to sound too philosophical here, it ends up as a kind of metaphysic. It's totally out of the context. And that hope and that pleasant feeling there, it gives <coughs> some miserable comfort. And the outcome of this living in hope, the other side of the coin, to use a materialistic uh, metaphor here, will be disappointment. Disappointment. Has to be. One put so much hope, it will get better, things will improve, everything will be uh, alright. One trying to uphold this transcendent hope view, Look, one looks around at the harsh reality of things and the hope starts to crumble, crash. The construct called hope begins to fade. And it will fade far more quickly in our relationship to life if we are not engaged with it. If we're just relying on the personal self to create hope. Interesting in the Buddhist uh, tradition, which is not very keen on hope, as you can but guess. It's very hard to find the word hope in the text. It doesn't have a, uh, in some of the traditions, faith, hope and charity and this, this kind of uh, uh, language. When hope is a positive feeling attributed to the future. And the word, I, can't, I forget, forgive me the, the Pali word, <coughs> the word is, I wish this will happen, I wish that this will take place, but it may not. 
That's the meaning of the with relationship to the future. I would like this to happen, but it may not. <coughs> and when <coughs> us as people of the earth, when change comes about, it is very rare that it's personal. It's very rare that it's just me and changing my uh, uh, life. Authentic change comes about because we explore it together. We look at it together. And unfortunately, we live in such a self-culture, which is narcissistic and selfish. We've got this, we've been told, and we've got this idea, I create my own reality, which is one of the most stupid, irresponsible, senseless one-liners that one can imagine. But it gets used, it gets promoted... Uh, so our exploration is, is a sharing a looking at together to see what empowers which brings about an action it's not about self it's not about being a victim it's not about hoping for a better future it's not the way that human beings can go it's not working Look at it, it's not working like that. And it's going to be the collective of us in the sharing and the, and the, uh, and the exploration and the listening. If I can get through these five days without at least ten minutes on uh, Extinction Rebellion, regard it as a miracle. But the collective, the cooperation, the, the working together... Out of that communication and dialogue comes the inspirations and the, and the insights there. The power of the human being is the willingness to share. And in that willingness to, to share, perhaps we could make a shift. So instead of the construction of the role as being so important, which it's not, instead of the construction of the identity of this is who I am, the victim, and many, many uh, others. Would we be able to look in a fresh way in which the role and the identity is not at the centre of consciousness? It's a question, slightly rhetorical. Is it possible for us to look at our experience of life in which the role, including the, the ones that you and I have, and the identity, with experiences or whatever, is not the most important thing of life. To find some perspective on identity and role. And that practice and exploration of that may help to put it into a balanced view. To take example, the examples might make things clearer or they might not. So at this moment, this Walla, Christopher, is sitting here and has the privilege, it is a privilege, it's one of life's great privileges really, to be able to speak with you, whatever it might be, 45 minutes, yeah, if you're unlucky, 50 minutes. 
for this uh, period of time in which there is a, a, a role. The role is called Dharma teacher, that's the name of the role, meditation teacher, or whatever you like to call it. Uh, there. And the role is not self created. The role exists, I'm using it as a fact and also for the, everything else, on the willingness of the support of everybody else. End of story. A, every role in life, you cannot think of any of them, in which that manifestation of the role, every one of them requires the support of the other or others. The very fact, so far, you very politely and kindly, I'm keeping very quiet because it would be a little difficult to teach if few other people decided to have a, some other conversations uh, going on or whatever. So the role has its presentation with the kind support of the other and she or he <coughs> can give support to that role and at any time end the interest in it. It's called the ending of a relationship. It's called thank you, goodbye. It's called I can't stand listening to this talk for another minute. There are two doors, I only need one of them, I'm off. <laughs> Etc. And sometimes people say to this swallow, Oh, sometimes people sometimes people get up and storm out over something that you have said in the talk. And, uh, Christopher, how do you feel about that? They get up and they walk out. And my response is, if I was sitting in the hall and listening to Christopher, there are times when I would get up and walk out. So we all have this privilege of staying or going. I'm quite easy with it. But, to repeat... Every single role requires the support of, of another. When that support is withdrawn, that role c crashes and collapses. Every one of them. Be clear about it. Be very, very clear about it. If you're not clear, you'll suffer. You'll feel unhappy, you'll feel rejected, you'll feel hurt. You'll feel it shouldn't have happened, or whatever it might be about. <coughs> so roles, a role, in its manifestation and in its presentation in life, doesn't exist by itself. Teacher cannot be a teacher unless there are the, those who wish to listen, as the example. And that recognition of the great place of the other may contribute to a recognition of the inseparable place of the other to, well, this role, with all of its privileges, is being supported by the other. And she or he or they have the right at any time to say thank you, goodbye. Get this clear. Nobody's under any obligation to stay with us. 
We are not under any obligation to stay with the other. This is life. It's transitory. It's changeable. It's unpredictable. We may not be able to explain why another leaves us through death, through disappointment, through feeling unfulfilled. We may not be able to explain to ourselves why this life comes to an end, why we have to move on, why we have to make a change. But this is life. And it's to find the wisdom in life of this dynamic, of the role that you and I have, and to be, not easy, to be understanding and respectful to the other, whoever he or she may be. Thank you, I'm staying. Thank you, I'm not staying. That's the way it is. Thank you for your employment. We've been happy to employ you, but we don't need your services any longer. Goodbye. And here's a few euros bonus if you're lucky. This is life. And it's up to us to deal with the unreliability and the changeability of these things and to be really as clear as possible. Because if we can't handle it, the most common response to something that we cannot handle in life is blame. We either blame ourselves, or we blame the other, or we blame the two of us, or all of us. Catch yourself. Now, try not to go off on a tangent here. I'm very tempted, but I'm trying to keep it on track. <clears throat> Much of our politics is, has now deteriorated, not into the quality of policy, not into the quality of <coughs> insights and benefits for human beings, not as our representatives. The politics is now deteriorated into the conflict of fear and blame. It's an emotional event, not out of calmness and, and, and clarity, and it's dangerous for us. So we need to check in with ourselves, and need, need to catch ourselves. When something happens in life which is difficult to handle, and we, know, we all know these difficult to handle situations, in which there is a role or identity <coughs> going uh, on with it, if, out of the difficulty, there emerges any fear, any fear, or any blame in the difficulty, we are not seeing clearly. Period. That fear and blame can be towards, around the other, or towards ourself, as I mentioned, or both. And it's an extraordinary practice. There. Forget sitting on the meditation cushion morning, noon and night at home, no, ma no matter what the meditation teachers like me tell you. Some of the greatest practice that a human being <coughs> can engage in is in the practice of being clear about fear and blame and asking ourselves one of the deepest questions possible what is the alternative to responding to a situation in which there is no fear and blame 
And it's not to be a nice Buddhist. Some other way of looking uh, uh, at it. And the difficulty when the mind is <coughs> under, the, under the weight of fear and blame, self, other, both, neither, the difficulty when we are under it, the thought, which is merciless, keeps arising and the thought keeps justifying it. The thought, the feeling of the emotion, that's the fear and the blame, requires the thought to keep it going. It's the wood on the fire. And if the thought itself is not adding to the fear and the blame, yeah, the fear and the blame will go quiet. It has to. Just like the fire will have to go out if we're not putting wood on it. And it's our challenge in the expir <coughs> pardon me, the expiration to be very clear. This is fear and blame. It's an old habit. It's a pattern. It's a shadow. It's a reaction. It's a lack of clarity. The thought will want to justify the fear and the blame. And we, we say to ourselves, I've done this for too long. I'm always justifying it. I'm always giving it a good reason. There, What good is it doing me? Is it making me a happy person? Clear person? Wise person? Is it contributing to me understanding myself to another when I'm just swamped in the fear and the blame? And therefore our willingness to ask ourselves in question, what is another way to look at this situation? And for that we make a, in, in a really important contribution to all of us. Because, my God, there is far too much fear and blame. It's an epidemic. It's a pathology. It's a tragedy. That we're in, we're in the spell of it. And we keep justifying it. When we have the potential as remarkable human beings that we are to live a fearless life to live a blameless life and to find other ways with the quiet authority that it can emerge out of it if you go deep enough the alternatives <coughs> pardon me will come through Sometimes in the exploration, in all of these uh, uh, issues of, of uh, life, like I referred to, even when it's quite strong and we are experiencing, feeling troubled by the circumstances, life has a wonderful capacity rather precious really to keep interrupting events so what I mean by that is we have the roles and we have the uh, identity that go, go on but none of them are permanent nobody is a continual mother and father or son or daughter lover, partner, <coughs> friend 
colleague or whatever. It's a construction. The construction arises in relationship two, as I mentioned. And there are many moments, and that includes your good time of being here, when you've quietly and thoughtfully put aside some of these major roles of your life, you've deliberately stepped out of them, you've stepped into this uh, situation, and therefore here and now there is the absence of these roles. And that absence of the roles generates a space, and the space element is really, really significant. We need to love and appreciate and experience an empathy with space. It's a very beautiful element. Pali word is lovely, akasha. So, the more space we can find, sky above, earth below, space above our heads, the space around us, inner space, the more we meditate and are mindful of space and we recognize the importance of this, it will contribute significantly to having space around all these roles which have been constructed. That's its benefit, to really acknowledge and recognize in the roles that we have and the way that she or he or they relate to the roles, to really notice the space. If you are having an important conversation with another uh, uh, person, of course it's precious to give her or him or them your full attention, to really uh, listen there. But please, please remember in the act of the listening, with your good eyes and with your ears, in the act of the listening, that there is space all the time. There is space around the person. There is space around oneself. We might be able to find some space within so that we can listen and we get a balanced perspective because we can see the space around the person. We are small creatures on the earth. Why make such a big fuss about what she or he says to us? And this is where the element of space above their head, around the body, a more expanded sense, can allow the words written or spoken which may come across to us which are possibly unfair, unasked for, unwanted, unhelpful, unthis, unthat, landing there. And can we just allow those words in the bigger space just to travel across from the other? Oh, come out of your latest text message from whoever uh, it might be and recognizing that there is space from those words on the phone 
to the eyes there and remembering too that if there's plenty of space inside as well they do not have the power to generate <coughs> reactivity they can only generate reactivity if there is a lack of space inside and the consequence is it lands on the old that's, that's the only way it can be a problem it has to land on the old and we're here to know what is and what was and be very clear about the difference it's a liberation teaching it's a freedom from the problems of the past it's a reflection it's the ability to name and be clear there are certain roles where you and I know there's a bit more vulnerability vulnerability to disapproval there's vulnerability in, as well, equally to approval that can be the first step in a nightmare there's the uh, uh, vulnerability rather similar to being liked or being disliked or whatever so we find the space around the person we find the space around ourselves the dynamics of space some inner space and then we can see more easily hear more easily and simply don't have the appetite to make a big fuss about your last text message what she or he said to you in a reactive moment or whatever and if we are the ones who tend to be more fearful and more blaming we are the ones it's very simple one apologises when we are reactive when we are laying our shit on somebody else we have the mindfulness and the practice and the humility to say we were over the top we express that heartfully, clearly so that the person uh, understands as soon as possible and all of that expresses love and uh, wisdom and this interest in some of these primary roles and identities and really knowing to finish here which ones are the most challenging are there any of these which really require some real um, attention and uh, exploration with it's not such a big deal not such a big deal let's have a quiet minute shall we
May all beings explore the alternatives to fear and blame. May all beings appreciate the interconnectedness of our roles in daily life. May all beings live with love and wisdom.